we will not copyright or trademark that. Um, the we do not have the rights to this at all. Please do not sue us. Thank you. Welcome to These Unprecedented Gays, featuring Joe Grinelli and Paul Smith. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and review wherever you stream your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at TUGaysPod and email us at TUGaysPod at Yahoo.com. We hope you enjoy. So do we have to look at each other when we do this? Is this sex? <laughs> I don't even look at anybody. I just close my eyes, right? Only for a moment, and then the moment's gone. <laughs> oh, hey there. This oh. is Paul. Oh, and I'm Joe. I didn't and hear you come the, in. We're these unprecedented gays. We are. That was fun. I didn't even hear the doorbell. Well, I mean, do you even have a doorbell? Like legit, do you have a doorbell? I do legitimately have. I don't legitimately have <laughs> legitimately. I don't. Okay, like this. This is like whatever we're rambling, but like so, I actually like really love the sound of like the old doorbells, like a nice ding dong. Uh huh. Not like I like a nice ding dong. Okay, I what I'm a hostess. That's what, I'm what are you talking about? Uh, yeah. Um. So, but no, for like a nice like old where it's like you know it's like the. Not like a fake sounding doorbell. Yeah. Anyway. Can I just tell you, every time I hear the word <laughs> legit, all I think of is MC Hammer. Like too legit to quit. Because I'm too legit to quit. I say, le- I say legit all the time. Oh, oh my God, we have a visitor. Oh, oh my God, Cooper's going crazy. <laughs> I didn't hear it. Oh no. Can, um, un- uncharted visitor, can you come back in? Oh. So I want to get this shirt. It says, I am currently... Too le- I cannot quit because I'm currently too legit. Can you get that? I, I want yeah. to. I think Did I you get to. it on not Amazon? But yeah. Maybe they can sponsor us. Somewhere. I thought, I thought on Instagram sponsor. Oh, I, okay. Did you download the new iOS or whatever that like it, uh, it will tell you if an app is tracking you? Oh. So you should. Because okay. everything tracks. Can you tell you. me when the FBI is tracking me? Well, they're right here right now. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> so it's good, Mr. Agent. <laughs> so how was your week? Well, I'm glad you asked, Paul. I'm glad Thank I you. asked too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I found out two things this week. Um, first, um, I have found a new dip. Like dip, D-I-P. D-I-P. Like, let me see you dip, like gas break dip, like dip like, like you dip, a million. Dip, I dip. Yeah, like okay. or like artichoke jalapeno dip. Okay. And so I was uh I think it was Saturday. I don't what know what day it was. It? Artichoke jalapeno. Oh, okay. But like I learned today when I was reading the uh what is that called? Package? You can have it warm or cold. I've only been having it cold. Oh no, you put it on like a sandwich. Oh, I've just been eating it. Oh, yeah. No, like with a spoon. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and some pita chips. Okay. Stacy's, if you want to sponsor us, I'll take those pita chips. <laughs> I go through those like anybody's business. I'm just like, mm, hungry with chips. I'm like, I think my bag's gone, whatever. <laughs> and I got chip clips. So that was my first thing. So spinach, artichoke, no. Uh, what is it? Artichoke jalapeno. It's got a little bit of like a kick. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's creamy. Like me. Oh, yeah. spicy. Oh, yeah. Because you're too legit to quit, you spicy boy. <laughs> I'm too legit to dip. <laughs> oh, you have it here. That's the dip. Oh, yeah. We get that from Costco. Oh, okay. Well, it's available at Smart and Final, which I would love a sponsorship from. So, SNF, if you want to come through, let's do it. So, yeah, that's the dip. You know what dip I love? So, I recently discovered that dip okay. uh, this weekend. And I learned that Max is a midnight eater. A midnight what? Eater. Oh, eater. So he's okay. like a snacker at night. So like he'll not eat his dinner sometimes, like all the time. 
Um, and basically the next morning his food is gone. And I, I leave the door to his crate open cause he just likes to sleep in there. And mm-hmm. so he'll, um, I think at night he'll venture out of the room cause I leave the door like a little bit open my bedroom door just for like airflow and um, the food is gone. So either that or like maybe I sleepwalk and eat my dog's food. Oh, well, let's hope it's the I hope it's the former, yeah. What about you? <laughs> oh, my week was fine. Oh, just boring. Just I'm okay, boring. it's not okay. But you know who's not boring? Who? Our guest this <gasps> week. Hi, Layla. Aloha, everyone. Oh, mahalo. Mabu hi. Wait. Oh, my God, yes, sis. Como esta? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's all I know. Mabu hi and mahakata. That's all I know. <laughs> I just know. This I know. bitch went full on Tagalog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> How do you say no in, in, in Tagalog? No. No. <laughs> you know two words. Mambuhai. Mambuhai. So, now, for all of our listeners out there, why don't you give us a little background on you? Who are you? What are you about? What do you love? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, so thank you guys so much for having me. I'm super excited to be talking with y'all this week. Um, I'm Layla Ireland. I am the supermodel of the world. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I am a retired army veteran. Um, I uh, am also a trans, uh, transgender woman. I served in the military when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was a thing. Um, I helped, um, help changed policy to allow transgender service members um, to serve openly um, twice. <clears throat> and um, I'm also married to a um, actively serving transgender service member as well. And so our story uh, came, uh, became very uh, public in 2015, right before the policy was changed to allow transgender, transgender service members to um, serve openly. Um, and we were invited to the White House by the president. We've met President Obama and um, and the First Lady. We did a lot of things. So I, I am a advocate, activist, um, a veteran. I am a supervisor. I also work for the military. Again, I don't know why I can't get away from the military. Um, but yeah, I do a lot of things. Um, and I'm also on new ventures now. So that's uh, that's me in a nutshell. We got a lot to unpack. Okay. <laughs> but even though she's packing because she's moving to Korea. Ooh, so look yes. at you go. But let's unpack all this. So starting off, so you are a military veteran. Uh, you spent 12 years in the U.S. Army as a combat medic. Okay. So I am your um, basic ass queen. I'm a, so yeah. I'm going to need to know what a combat medic is. <laughs> I was telling Paul, does that mean that you went and like used medical supplies to like to fight people like, ah, I'm going to scalpel you. <laughs> or like, here's a vaccine. <laughs> Actually, you know, I'm guessing so- no. <laughs> no, no really. I mean, it's funny. People always, they try to speculate what a combat medic really is. Um, I joined the military in 2003. I came into the army um, from a long legacy of folks in the military in my family. And my father was in the military. And my grandfather and my great grandfather also served in the military. Um, I am the oldest of four children. We all served in the military. And so um, it, it's it's kind of a legacy in our family to do so. And I, I believe, you know, our whenever I, the day I have children, they were served in the military as well. Um, but a combat medic basically is a army, um, I don't know, the nurse that you go and see that does triage um, and helps the doctors, right? And so we're more um, field, field people. So um, if you think of a soldier, think of that and then put, the triage nurse that you see at the hospital and put that together. And that's what we are. So we give the very basic, um, I shouldn't say just basic. We give care when um, emergent care, um, when someone is blown up in, um, in, in country. Uh, You probably, you've probably seen some shit. 
Like, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I came into the military as an interrogator in 2003, deployed as an interrogator. Um, and I came back from that first deployment and just did not feel like that was the field for me um, because of my own personal morals and values. Um, and after I came back from the, that uh, tour in Iraq, I decided to become a medic and, and reclass to that. And then I was a medic ever since um, until the end of my um, career. So uh, yeah, that's what I did. I patched people up. I've seen a lot of many different things that normal people do not usually see. <laughs> uh, a lot of those things I don't talk about because it's just, it brings back a lot of those memories. Yeah. Um, it's very Sometimes it's very triggering, not just for myself, but for the people that do listen to anything that I say. Um, but it is therapeutic to talk about it from time to time because those things do still linger years, years later. Um, and I, I still, um, I still have those, those moments when I have to kind of just step back and take a big, a long breather. Yeah. So, um, your whole family, you said kind of is part of the services. Were they all in the army or were they different branches? Yeah. So my dad was in the army. My grandfather was in the air force or he was in the army and then he went into the air force or vice versa. I can't remember which way it went. And then before that, my great grandfather was in the army as well. So, I mean, this is a long legacy of folks in the military, um, of men in the military um, and I was no exception as a male, um, you know, the, the eldest child as a male growing up. Um, and, and I wanted to be a part of that legacy. Um, the only thing that uh, was very bothersome for me was I didn't identify as a male. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you think about it, don't, don't ask, don't tell really talked about uh, really was the time where you couldn't be yourself. And so even with the trans ban, um, it, you know, being implemented, it was the same thing, just a different, it had a different cover of the book. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, I learned how to survive, um, but also learned about myself in so many ways and what was important to me and, and why I do what I do today. Okay. I I just want to scroll back because I don't know what an interrogator is when you say it in the terms of military. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what can I say about being an interrogator without, without any of us getting well, shot? I mean, or- I'm, I'm thinking like, <laughs> I'm just thinking of like the movies where you have people in like the room and they're like asking questions. I'm not, yeah. I'm guessing it's not like an interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. So a human intelligence collector or human oh. team um, is basically is exactly that. Um, we, uh, um, when you say, when people think human intelligence collector, like we, people sometimes think we collect bodies and that's not true. Oh. Um, well, it's true to a certain extent. Right? <laughs> <laughs> let's just say, let's just say that. Um, an inside edition here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but interrogate is basically, you know, we have to find information to, um, to that is, uh, that would potentially hurt the uh, U S forces overseas, um, or even our, our, you know, our country, um, and so we have to always look for, you know, the, the ins and outs of the foreign country and, and what's going on. So being an interrogator basically was collecting information. Um, I will leave that to your speculation. Okay. <laughs> there, I, again, there's a lot that I could talk about and I stress the could part. Yeah. Um, 
but I also talk about that in therapy because it is, <laughs> it is important to talk about, yeah. to kind of just, you know, digress from all of that. Right. Um, and those are, it's one of the things that, you know, um, all jokes aside, a lot of folks who are in this type of line of work or who are on the front lines often don't talk about these things because these are, these are things we never want to experience ever again. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Wow. It, I'm going to let you speculate what an interrogator is. I just collected information. So I'm going to okay. that. And we're okay with that. <laughs> um, now, so you, because you, you brought it up yourself, and I, and I want to talk about it then, is um, you went into the military as a male, correct? Yes. Okay, so then you transitioned while you were in there. So can you explain to us, like, how does that work when you're in such a hyper-masculine um, environment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like what are those feelings and, and do you deal with like PTSD not only from your time in the military but um, having those feelings and trying to deal with it in that kind of environment and everything so sis that's a lot to unpack I oh mean, I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean it's, it's a good question right a lot of and a lot of the time I do talk about you know what it was like to be in a hyper masculine environment and have to kind of navigate that while trying to understand my own identity, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to, um, to have lived the life that I'm living and to have experienced everything that I experienced through the military. Um, coming in, I remember, you know, signing the papers to enlist into the military. And the, one of the questions was still on the enlistment papers. Are you gay or are you homosexual? Actually, are you homosexual? How long ago was this? This is back in 2003. Okay. Oh Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was still very, it was still very alive. Don't ask mm-hmm. until, right? Cause don't ask until was, wasn't, um, appealed, uh, repealed in until 2011, if I'm not mistaken. So yes, I had to, I enlisted as a male. Um, and even then I identified as a female, but you know, I didn't have the language nor the resources or the vocabulary to even really express how I was feeling. <clears throat> um, but it was very interesting to navigate that, right? Because, uh, girl, let me tell you, I, got, I have some stories about basic <laughs> training and AIT, honey. Um, <laughs> but that might be for another day. So, anyway, we have time. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so, so I, I mean, it's being in a hyper masculine environment, such as you know the, the military, um, was very eye opening for me because I, growing up, you know, I, I was very used to seeing how my father, um, you know how my father was being in the military and how growing up we had to cut our corners on our beds and make sure it was all nice and neat and hanging our clothes a certain way and being, being very militant, right. Being very military esque. And, um, and so when I went into the military as little old me, um, it, it was very interesting because I knew what the environment was about, but I never first had experienced myself just like anyone else. Right. Um, but I felt that I was walking on eggshells every single time because I didn't want to be caught, um, for being gay and which was really interesting because <laughs> I'm sure there are five other people. Well, I'm not going to say I'm sure I know there are five other people because we all kind of, you know, just did our thing. Um, it, I don't it, know what they're up to now. It should bring them on. Oh yeah, absolutely. So having to navigate that, I, I found one of the things that my father said was, 
you know, when you get to basic training, make sure you find the biggest person and you make friends with them immediately. Hmm. And I did that. And I'm still friends with that person until today. And we talk all the time. He's one of my, one of my bestest friends. Um, That's opposite than what you do in jail. Yeah. They tell you exactly. when you go in jail, you find the biggest person and knock them out. <laughs> oh, I won't tell you why I know that. <laughs> we know, Paul. We know. So our listeners are millions of fans. Yeah, no. So I did that. And um, I'm not going to say his name, but we called him Superman because he was just so big compared to me. He's just this six two, just lumberjack looking. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring Superman here. <laughs> um, and he's from Wisconsin. Um, oh, he yes. is corn fed. Damn. Okay. They all are. Everything. But um, I made good friends with him and they ended up making me. I was the, I was a smallest um, person there in my platoon. And they made me the leader. Which oh. I was like, don't put me as a leader. But I think it was strategy, right? It was very... Okay, we're going to make the smallest person the leader because all these big folks, all these big guys do not want to listen to the smallest person in the room. And I was. And, you know, I took that naturally. I took the I took the, the role as a leader naturally. And I, I did what I did. And I was, you know, recognized at the end of all of it after the, not, I think, 11 weeks of basic training. I was recognized for the leadership that I developed and, and how, how I led, how I led my, my guys to the end. And so it was really interesting. It was really interesting to be in that environment. And then going into my career, um, I still walked on eggshells. I still was very cautious about who I made friends with, um, almost kind of keeping to myself because I didn't want to let down that wall in, and have the chance of being outed by anyone. Um, I did see, you know, the witch hunts that they talk about. <clears throat> um, I did see the witch hunts for gays in the military, I saw a few of my, several of my friends be discharged for uh, dishonorably for being gay before Don't Ask Don't Tell. Oh, was wow. Like these are things that was happening, what that were happening. Not that and long ago either. Wow. It's not. Um, and my, um, I think it was my second enlistment. Um, I was in Alaska and I ended up marrying my best friend who was a lesbian um, because they were that uh, right at, right at that point is when, the height of the witch hunts for gays in the military was happening because legislation, they were taught the talks for um, repealing Donuts Don't Tell was happening. And I think in one week I lost five friends, dishonorably oh. discharged, never saw oh them again God. because it was just, it was a thing. And so <clears throat> living as a male, as a gay male, or at that time identifying as a gay male, being in the military was so, um, it, it was terrifying because I just wanted to be like my family. I wanted to make them proud, but I also was lying to myself because I really identified as the person I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then don't ask don't tell happened. Um, I was in San Antonio, Texas. I was working at the hospital at Fort Sam. And um, when the decision for the repeal happened for the don't ask don't tell repeal happened, I've never seen such an amazing site where it was a huge parade of all the, all gays, all the, all the LGBT people out there. Um, and we, we had like, I think it was like a four hour parade on this small strip in San Antonio. Hmm. Some were in uniform, some were not in uniform. I don't think anybody cared if we, you know, we're in uniform when we're not supposed to be. Um, but it was just so, um, it was so heartwarming to see so many people crying and so many people celebrating. There were allies amongst us. And, and it was just, it was an amazing moment 
to see that happen. Um, and around that same time is when I started to go to therapy to really understand why I was feeling disconnected with the LGBT community because I wasn't, I, I always considered myself a female and I didn't fit in with the gays. I didn't fit in with women. I didn't fit in with lesbians. <laughs> like it was <laughs> so I had to find, I had to find my space. Um, and right after Jonas Hotel was repealed, that's when I started my, my um, transition. Um, and it was, I owe my transition and my survival, my life to um, Sarah Weiss, who was my therapist. Oh, wow. he, she was the one that slipped me that, that post-it note that had the word transgender on it. And she said to go home and figure that out and then come back next week and let me know. And that was the beginning of my transition. To hmm. wow. Thank you know, God for therapists, right? Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. So being in the military, navigating that in a hyper-masculine environment um, had its rewards and it also had its, its struggles. Uh, but I always was taught to always put my best foot forward. And that's thanks to my mom. Um, always put my best foot forward. They are going to know you because of the work ethic and how hard you're working. And I think that mentality transcends many different um, marginalized communities in the world today, right? Because we have to, we feel like we have to be this in order to fit in um, as an Asian American Pacific Islander, as a Hispanic, uh, as a Latin, uh, you know, being a Latina, um, being a spouse, being a veteran, um, being a woman, being a supervisor, you know, all of these things, I feel like living at these intersectionalities for me and operating at these intersectionalities, I'm always having to not necessarily one up the folks that I'm working with or that I'm trying to talk to but rather I have to prove my worth the, to them. And I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to prove my worth. You're either mm-hmm. going to love me or not. And if you don't give me that opportunity, then that's a missed opportunity on you. Oh, right? preach. So, now you're now you're the therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, all of this has has been years in the making, and I've learned so much along the way. And it's just, I mean, even this, I'm so happy and so proud that I'm able to even have this conversation in this space with you two, because five years ago, ten years ago, we wouldn't be able to have this conversation. Right. And I am so happy that we are able to, in the comfort of our own homes, and to mm-hmm. really say yes, bitch. you know what i mean oh i love you (laughs) so i okay so i i i'm very um not informed as much as i should be about transgender and the transition and everything so did you have to go through a lot of therapy to figure out during your transition uh, from going from a male to a female was there a lot of therapy that was involved with that so in terms of therapy, when I started my transition, the Donuts Hotel policy did not, um, the Donuts Hotel repeal did not include transgender people. Mm. Um, so I, I really want everybody to, even our listeners, I really want them to re- to think about this. The Donuts Hotel policy did not include the T with the LGB. Mm-hmm. It only include it only was very exclusive to LGB people or LGB service members rather. Um, and the T was not included. And oh, I, that is the T. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Spill it. He's juicy T. <laughs> so I was able to um, meet with one of the folks who sat on that panel, who helped create the policy of the Donuts Hotel repeal. Wow. And I got it. This was in 2014. And I, I went into a room. This was a conference for only trans military folks. Um, and, I can't name the gentleman, but the gentleman that came and spoke, um, 
he said he wanted to apologize. He opened up his, his, his speaking portion of the class or the conference with an apology to, mm. with an apology to the transgender service members that were in the room. There were about 30 of us. And, um, and we were wondering why was he apologizing? And he said, I was the one that wrote down the statement that said it was a one statement blurb in the entire policy that says, uh, America is not ready for transgender people. So we're not, we can't include them at this time. So sis, look, I wanted to jump up and (laughs) throw hands y'all. You can catch all these, right? But, (laughs) But the professionals that we were, we just kind of looked at him like, how can you, how, like you, you made a policy without even consulting the folks mm-hmm. that are even in, you know, in battle or in ranks. Right. And yet here you are now apologizing to us because you understand like this is, this has negatively impacted us um, in such a way that tells us we're not, we're not worthy of being a part of the team in a world that already tells us that we should not be here. Mm-hmm. So you're adding to that oppression. Um, and so that sparked my, um, that sparked my, uh, my, my journey in advocacy. But to go back to your question, was there a lot of therapy? Yes, there was. But at that time, again, you have to think there wasn't really any resources nor the vocabulary to really talk about transitioning in the military or rather even transitioning in, in society because it was, right. it was very taboo. And they How also, long ago was it I, for you? What um, year? I started transitioning in 2000, 2012. Which again is, again, everyone listening, that's not that long ago. Like not. we have come so far. I want that to be oh, like recognized. So yeah, absolutely. But there wasn't any, there wasn't any real vocabulary, any resources to really help a service member who wanted to transition, who was going through this, this stuff. And the ICD-9 at the time uh, labeled transgender people as um as a sickness they they couple yeah, as a mental with, health um, disorder with perversion with pedophilia with transgenderism. like they couple transgender people in that i mean says look do i look like a <laughs> <laughs> ah, she is serving fish honey yeah. <laughs> i mean i mean and, and all jokes aside i mean seriously it was it was very interesting to hear that and so my my therapist um you know who helped me get to the point where I'm at today, bless her heart, rest her soul. She passed away from cancer a few years after I left San Antonio, but um, she, she was such a trooper. Um, She gave me a sense of belonging. She gave me purpose. She gave me direction. She gave me guidance and I cannot thank her enough. Um, Hmm. And I wish she were alive today so that I would be able to call her and tell her, this is your work. This is what you did. She went against the policies and the guidelines and the regulations in order to help me understand who I was and to guide me in the right direction without jeopardizing her job and without me jeopardizing mine. So I, I owe it to her. I, I really wish I could reach out to her today and tell her how much I love her and appreciate her and honor her. Um, but I, this is the reason why I continue to do the work that I do today because of her. So you touched on advocacy. I think that's where I'm going to kind of go next. So You've done a lot of advocacy. It's a hard word. She is really good at words. I'm an engineer, not a whatever English person. Um, so, I, I, I mean, you had mentioned you kind of helped with the Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal. Um, what other sort of things, I guess, are resume bullet points that you can share? Yeah. So, um, 
let me roll out the list. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, she's I, got I, a long list. It's 15 <laughs> feet long, everybody. Remember, we're in audio programming. <laughs> um, you know, I, I in 2015, my husband and I, my then just colleague, he, Logan and I met in 2012 on a um, on Grinder. No, I'm just kidding. We did not meet on Grinder. <laughs> but we are not shaming anyone who. No, does. hey, Go get as Rihanna said, you found love in a hopeless place. Okay, also make more music, Rihanna. But also good for you for making your multi-billion-dollar Fenty yeah. corporation. It's fine. <laughs> no, my husband and I met on a um, online support group for trans military folks, um, and you guys might have heard of it. It's Outserve SLDN. They had a trench under chapter. Um, in 2012, that's when we met. And then in 2014, we kind of separated from um, Outserve SLDN and um, formed our own uh, organization. Well, not my husband and I. There was a bunch of us that helped form this group, um, and it was called Sparta. I became the membership director almost a couple years after I joined in. And so I, myself and other folks um, who helped create this organization um, that is over a 1,000 people now today it's over i think it's actually over 1100 members who are actively serving in the military and identifying as transgender so it was made for by transgender people for transgender people operated by transgender um service members um and so i was a membership director for them um i talk about you know navigating the military system and and the healthcare system for trans military folks um and since i've been out i've talked about veterans um and lgbt youth um, we also were invited to the white house, um, in 2015 to meet president Obama at the, um, at the LGBT pride, um, celebration at the white house. Uh, so we became the, the, we became the staple faces, you know, for, um, for this LGBT or transgender service members movement. Um, and walking the halls of the white house felt so amazing. We were the first openly transgender currently serving active duty couple to wow. grace the halls of the white house. Um, as our, as our, as our authentic self, see, I can't even say where it's called. Um, <laughs> Don't worry. You got advocacy. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, added to that, we have been on Ellen. We went to the um, VMAs. Um, yeah. We got questions about that. <laughs> Um, and, now I, and now I work with Minority Vets of, uh, Veterans of America, where we cater to all um, I did a very diverse um, community of veterans, not just LGBT people, but women, indigenous women, um, you know, our, our Native American folks, uh, we any any type of veteran, we are catering to them. Um, and so I my job now um, or my advocacy is about my focus is on LGBT youth because we're, I mean, let's, let's really talk about that. We are 2021 is on track to become the worst year of state legislative attacks against LGBTQ people in recent, recent history. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and th so this is a national crisis. Like I, I think some of the questions that I hear about or, or some of the things that I hear are not allowing trans youth to participate in sports or they in, like in Florida, they want to, they want to review your, Genitals. Private yeah. parts mm -hmm. before doing anything. And I'm like, but you would never ask this of a cisgender heterosexual mm -hmm. person. So but why also do you they're kids. Like that's gross. Literally. Literally. So I feel like a lot of these people who are making these policies and regulation or these legislations are pedophiles. If I mm -hmm. want to say that, like if you want to oh, go, you can there, say it's, it's true. Yeah. It's sexual harassment I mean, and it's pedophilia. 
It is. And so, but it, it goes a lot deeper than that. Right. So I'm, I think I answered your question about, about what, you know, what, what does my work all entail and, and how that, that, how I came about doing all these things. Okay. So for me, tell me why advocacy and being an activist is so important to you. Um, sorry, I had a drink cause I was a little parched. Um, <laughs> she's thirsty y'all she's thirsty y'all also i really like your water cup oh i know it's a yeti <laughs> oh if you want to sponsor us please do i have a clean canteen from like eight years ago clean canteens are really good yeah. um so Come what what got me into um advocacy and activism you know i think this happened early on in in the don't ask don't tell era of my life where seeing people's careers torn apart because of their love of country and their, their sense of duty. Um, she's a duty. I know. I was, I was for sorry. You I'm so sorry. We're five years old. old. <laughs> <laughs> seeing, seeing people's lives torn apart because of who they are. Yeah. And not measured on this, their sense of duty and their work ethic and what they can contribute to the bigger, you know, mission. Um, became a personal mission for me because I didn't want to see that happen anymore. And then when I transitioned, it became even more clearer to me. One of the greatest things that we have as a people is the ability and power to tell our own stories. Mm -hmm. Um, Regardless of what that story is, it is a very beautiful um, and terrifying and colorful story, right? No, no one person's, uh, you know, struggles is worse than anyone else's. We don't know that. I won't, I can't measure my struggle against yours. I can't compare that because what you might be going through and what I might be going through might be equally hard for both of us, but they may be very different. And so mm-hmm. we have, we have that power to tell our own stories. And I think that's, that's what's important to do when we humanize our struggles, when we humanize our movements, when we humanize our purposes in life and we become relatable to other people. And when we share those things, people have a better understanding of why we're doing what we're doing. And so my advocacy and activism has become more prominent for me because if not for me to stand up and say something about my own community, whether it's AAPI folks, whether it's about Hispanic folks, whether it's about um, veterans or spouses or LGBT people, then who's going to tell the story? Mm-hmm. Who's going to who's going to tell our future generations about the history of what is happening now? Because if you don't if you don't tell history, if we don't share those stories, if we don't share experiences, then we are doomed to repeat history. One, mm-hmm. but two we cease to exist because we don't know where we came from. And I think that's important to remember where we came from. The the struggle is there. Yes, I get it, but it makes us who we are today and how we move about in the world. How do you keep that? I guess, um, like, how do you not let that, what am I trying to say? Like that drive. Yeah. Cause like, I feel like you like, you know, I'm very like strong headed and everything, but there's a point where it's just like, I'm over this. Like, how do you combat that? See what I did there? Cause you were a combat medic. Oh my God. Okay. Um, but like, I mean, it must get tiring at times, right? Like how, how do you not let it really get you down? Is it that they're, you know, like you're basically telling your story so that other people can have a better life or like what keeps you kind of going? Um, what is my drive? My family, 
um, I'm going to be very cliche when answering this, right? Um, my <laughs> family, um, world peace. No, I, what's my drive? Um, it's not easy. Uh, it's very easy just to wake up and it's not hard to find a story out there because it's very blatant in front of your face mm -hmm. every morning on the news or on social media, you see what's happening. Now, is it, does that mean it's true? No, it may not be true. And it may be true, but it's my responsibility as a person to really find out what the real facts are, right? And so before I speak on anything, I want to make sure that I'm educated first. So I do my research. Um, so like we mentioned earlier about legislations across the nation, like these are very blatant. So what's my drive? I don't want to see these. I want to be able to have children in my own family um, and raise them in a world that doesn't see color. Mm-hmm doesn't see race, doesn't see, we acknowledge and celebrate those things, right? But it, we don't see hatred. We don't mm -hmm. foster hatred. We don't foster, well, I'm better than you because of the color of my skin or because of my, my um, education level or because of the job that I have or because of how much money I have in my pocket. Like I want to be able to raise children in a world that sees and loves equally amongst everyone where we, where we create a world that says, that we no longer have to say, oh, this is the first person to do this, mm -hmm. right. right? I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to look at, at my, my kids and their generation and say, oh, they're the first, they're the first Asian American to, or they're the first transgender person to do this. Like, child, look, there are too many people in this world that are doing <laughs> amazing mm -hmm. that are not being recognized for that because of the system that we have and the problems and issues that still oppress them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so my drive is that I want to ensure that when I leave this world, I leave a legacy that has created a space where we can all say, yes, bitch, we are here together instead of, Ooh. um, we can't sit with you because you're not wearing pink on Wednesdays. Bitch, like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, we get an A for explicit y'all. <laughs> A for extra, A for explicit. So that, that's my drive. I, I, and mm -hmm. I, not everybody has that same drive. And I, 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 in certain situations and circumstances, I understand um, that sometimes the, 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 you know, the environment or the, the circumstances don't, uh, don't afford them that opportunity. And that is the reason why I do what I do, because I have, I have been afforded a platform, honey, mm -hmm. and I'm going to use that platform to the best of my ability until the day I die. Mm. Okay. Uh, Cause she, you know, today is national superhero day. Is it? And she is a superhero. Look at her. <gasps> oh, okay. I love the rising sun tattoo that she has. It reminds oh. me of a comic book character named Sunfire. So oh, I don't know. Oh. Um, so okay. So did you want to ask about Barack Obama and Ellen? Okay, because I'm about to pivot and do that. I know. Okay. So <laughs> give us a real tea on Barack, uh, Ellen and Barack. Met Barack Obama in the White House. Okay, and so back when us. though? What year? So that was 2015. Okay. okay, so was that, he was at almost, he, that was his, like, he was almost out of his second term, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So tell us about that. Did you want to grab his butt? No. Is he amazing? <laughs> did he tell you, like, did he, did he inspire you just by, like, being in your presence? Did he smell good? <laughs> so, yes, um, I didn't want to grab his butt. Um, but President Obama, he is from Hawaii. He is a, he is a graduate of Punahou. Um, high school, which is one of the prestigious high schools in Hawaii. Um, and oh, no, that sounds the, dirty. 
just knowing that he's from the same island that I come from and, and he represents Aloha, right? There's, there's a, what people, when people hear Aloha, they think, oh, it's Hawaii. It's very commercialized, but mm-hmm. the spirit of Aloha is what you do in your daily. Right. And so when I greeted you guys, when I greeted you two, uh, when I came in, um, I said aloha because aloha is a is a term is a term of endearment. It's a salutation, um, but he really embodied the, the the spirit of aloha because there was a lot that he had to do um, as the leader of the free world in order to get where we needed to be. And it's not an easy job. Everybody knows that being the president is not an easy job. It's not a walk in the park. Um, but he, you know, meeting him was very was very. Uh, it was an honor to meet the president of the free world who came from the same island as me and, and him having watched our film before we came to the, to the pride celebration at the white house, you know, he mentioned it. He said, I watched the film. I really thank you guys for your service and really thank you for what you're doing for the community because really this is, this is what we need. And president Obama included transgender people in his speeches which is monumental for mm-hmm. a lot of us that we did not, because we did not feel seen. We did not feel recognized or acknowledged or respected. And he put us on the map because of it. Right. Um, in terms of, I mean, he's, he was just this tall glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> he smelled of black and mild. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait, really? Wait, is this real? <laughs> real, real, real tea. He but, was, a, he smoked. Yeah. And I think there have been a couple, a couple articles about him, you know, and a couple things that um, the first lady talked about, like, you know, you need to stop smoking because this is, this is not promoting the health, the healthy lifestyle that we want. Oh my God, Barack. Yeah. So. Like a mouth smell really nice though. So I'll give him that. In in the right environments, in the right environments. Um, But he, you know, he was, he was, he was very, he was a gentleman first before the president. Mm -hmm. And that's what was very comforting because he knows who he is. Yes, he holds that office to the highest in regard, you know, highest regard for himself. But he was also the people's people. He was a people's leader. Right. Um, and we went from that to, well, we're not hmm. going to get into that. But anyway. Yeah, no, let's not bring that up. <laughs> I mean, the, the whole point of meeting President Obama basically was in a, a thank you. It was like a breath of fresh air because I felt recognized. I felt respected. I felt seen as the authentic self that I was. Yeah. I presented female to the, you know, I presented as myself to the white house. Um, on the other hand, his, so there were, had food out in the, in the foyer for us in, in the great room. And mm-hmm. um, it was, it looked like bacon, but it wasn't bacon. It was um, watermelon and they had chicken, fried chicken. Oh, so watermelon fried chicken. And they had um, grape, Grape juice? No, grape. Like it looked like okay. it looked like grape. Sick. Grape Kool Aid. Okay. Now I'm okay. I'm down with that, but I'm also like, is this racist? <laughs> <laughs> Not if Barack gave it to us. You know, we thought he smoked his black and miles. We thought the same, but I think you know they had it. The right intention was there to be very. This is family. They yeah. The place and be like. Oh, we're serving steak tartare with um, escargot. Mm-hmm. Like, bitch, I don't want to eat that. I just want to eat the fried chicken and some watermelon and grape juice. Like, I'm okay was with it, that. Was it Popeyes? No, it was not Popeyes. Asians love Popeyes. Okay, you I know what I'm saying. Too. I've never had Popeyes. <laughs> Is there a Popeyes near us? Should we go to Popeyes? We could, we can. We need to go to Popeyes. But but Asians love Popeyes for some reason. I don't know why. Especially Filipinos, they love Popeyes. Have you been to Jollibee? 
It's very reminiscent of Jollibee's. That's why. Okay. Oh. They had one of those in San Francisco and I would always want to go, but like it was on a corner and I never could find parking. And I always want like, cause it looked so cool. And I was like, I want to try so bad. And then I never went and there's nothing near us. So. I'm so glad you I think my culture is cool. You're cool, Paul. Mom, boom, bye, or whatever it is. Whatever. <laughs> Wait, I can say a word to you. No. There we go. Look, I speak Tagalog. Okay, so tell us, because you mentioned um, the movie. So tell us about the documentary that you were referencing. Yeah. So She's an actress, did- too. Superhero, actress, <laughs> activist. Man, I don't have she's enough like fingers. J-Lo. Well, she's better than J-Lo. <laughs> J-Lo lies about having plastic surgery. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> We won't go, we won't, that's a, a whole lot of other things to uncover with that, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so in, in 2012, uh, my, I, one of my good friends, Bryn Tannehill, who is also in Sparta, um, she introduced me to a friend, um, who is now one of my best friends. She's my sister, Fiona Dawson, who is the, um, assistant director or producer for both of my films. So Transgender at Worn in Love was a, commi- a New York Times commissioned piece. It's 12-minute op-doc about my husband and I, both of our journeys as individuals and a, as a couple transitioning while in the military. And it showcased the um, contrast in our situations um, where he was very accepted. His leadership worked with him. He was able to, you know, identify and be open about it, essentially, before um, the the repeal for the um, the trans ban, um, whereas for me it was the complete opposite, and mm-hmm. so it really highlighted the differences in our individual um, transition journeys. It highlighted the contrast in mm-hmm. how we were being treated in the military as a woman, as a as a brown woman, how the privileges he had as a white pr- male presenting very masculine looking person in the military. So it highlighted a lot of those things. Um, and that's the, that's the film that the, uh, the president, president Obama watched before coming before inviting us to the, actually it was because of that film, we were invited to the white house. Um, and then in 2016, I want to say, she's going to get mad at me. Fiona Dawson, please don't get mad at me. If you're going to, if you're listening to this, um, 2016, she is. <laughs> 2016, she's going to, um, she and a a couple of our other friends, um, Gabe Silverman and, um, oh my gosh, she's gonna, she's gonna kill me. Jamie Coughlin. Gabe Silverman, Jamie Coughlin and um, Fiona Dawson had this vision of doing a feature length film. um, And it follows four transgender service members, myself and um, Captain L. Cook and Captain Jennifer Peace. Um, who are also both in the army and it follows our journeys in our transition, being in the military, navigating the system in the military as trans people, and then watching all of that change. Um, And so that's an hour and a half, but that was um, debuted at the South by Southwest film festival in Austin, Texas. And it won the audience award for it because of the timing of everything that was happening surrounding transgender people. Um, so these two, these two films have um, been used over and over and over. I cannot count how many times. Um, and it helped. It was one of the the key things in a catapult that catapulted our movement forward for um, transgender equity. 
um, transgender visibility um, and, and foster those conversations with many organizations and businesses across the nation. And just recently, I, I saw um, that it was being used in the film um, in in the education films in the UK. So it's really oh, nice wow. because people across the, uh, you know, across the water are messaging my husband and I and saying, Hey, we're watching this film now. Um, and they're using it as part of the curriculum. And so I, I'm very grateful and, and honored to have that uh, opportunity to really share our story and help other people um, find their own journeys um, and to help make visible the issues that we're facing as a community um, specifically the transgender community and how we can move forward um, in making that easier for everyone else. And so, um, yeah, these two films have been crazy. <laughs> I know what it's like to be on the, the behind the scenes stuff and trust child. There have been many times I wanted to choke my husband out. <laughs> um, that's marriage that's, though. It, it is, but you know, I, what goes into filmmaking, I tip my hat to a lot of these filmmakers who tackle these very controversial issues and topics, because you have to have a, you have to have thick skin and you have to have a stomach of iron literally mm -hmm. in order to digest a lot of what is happening. Um, I've watched other films surrounding transgender people and the journeys that they're going through. And it, it, it's very sad to see that we still live in a world where we have to continue to prove ourselves to society that we belong. So. Okay. So I had a question because, you know, you, you had mentioned that your journey was different than Logan's journey. So, <laughs> so with that being said, was it easier for you to go through this with him or did it make it more challenging because you guys had two different experiences? Um, so in the beginning of our transit, cause Logan and I started transitioning around the same time. Um, and individually it was hard to go through, um, for me, for him, it was a lot easier, um, almost night and day. Oh. Um, as, as a couple, was it easier for me to go through my transition with him? In some aspects? Yes. Right. Because I was, I was, I was falling in love with somebody who understood what was going on with me, right? Cause they under, they could relate to the, the transition process. Um, but a part of that was not so easy to go through because I resented the fact I resented him in so many aspects because he was, he had male privilege. He had all this privilege. He was male. He was white. He was, Oh damn. Yeah. All these things. Right. And so, and my husband always talks about it as well. He acknowledges that he has this privilege as a white male presenting, you know, very binary looking um, male in society. They, they, we, they don't question him. They, he is a white male to society. Right. And so part of that resentment followed, um, followed me in that because I still had to combat a lot of the, well, she looks like a man. Um, why is she with him? Uh, you know, she's a, she's a brown person. I've been told to go back to my the, my own the country I came from. I'm like, bitch, I came from Hawaii. Hawaii's part of rude. <laughs> bitch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was a lot of things um, that uh, made it just a little bit harder. Um, I was also reduced to Logan's wife and oh, not Layla. Yeah. Um, and I was always referred to that as, oh, you're Logan's wife. Oh, you're Mrs. Ireland. 
oh, you're you're this person. Like it was never you're Layla. Hell no. <laughs> so it made me feel like I didn't have my own identity. Mm-hmm. And uh, and let's let's be very clear. Yes, I love the gays, but the gays are cutthroat when it comes to my husband because you know my husband looks really cute. And he, Gay people are terrible. I feel you. Look, in I our, love them, but I hate them. Yeah, in our own communities, toxic. Yep, it was even harder because even even some of the even some of the guys that I the gay guys that I know would I've heard it all. They've talked behind my back and said, "Why is Logan with her? Like he should be part of this community, or like she's not worth his time." Like I've heard it all. Um, That's so bad, though. So, you know, being with him, yes, it's been a lot easier because I don't have to hide who I am. I don't have to explain things to him because he understands. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a married couple, we go through the same shit like any other fucking married couple with. <laughs> we used to love to sleep right, literally next to each other and love to touch each other. Child, we sleep with a pillow between us. I'm like, you're you're hot. Get off of me. It's all about boundaries, literally. Literally. Ba- go sleep in the other room. How about that? <laughs> oh, you snore? Bye bye. Yeah. So I mean it's it's yes, overall, it's <clears throat> it is easier to be um tra- to transition with um mm-hmm. with my husband. Um but there's still some things that I that I still deal with as his wife, as a brown person, as a trans woman, um, as just a spouse. Mm-hmm. As a veteran, I'm I'm mm-hmm. very jealous that he still gets to serve in the military, and not having any issues with, you know, his leadership. Whereas I had all the issues with my leadership, and not, and I got out before the ban was lifted. So, I mean, it it is, it is what it is. And so I I always look for that silver lining in all of this. Um, and Logan and I have become, I, don't know, I guess, the super couple when it comes to advocacy for trans military folks because he can fight the fight from the inside. And I can fight the fight from the outside. And, we uh, and you're a superhero because it's superhero day. Look at you. <laughs> so we conquer that together. Okay, so we need to get into also you being on Ellen. I know I was waiting, but I didn't know the right time because she's like talking about saving the world, being all these great things. And I'm like, but I want to know about Ellen. So we need the tea on that. Tell us about your, we want to hear about why you were on there, but we also <laughs> want to hear about Ellen. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so um, we, I think, it was around the same time that uh, Mr. Trump mm. had put out the tweets that they weren't allowing transgender people to serve in the military. And I want to say that was in 2016, 2017. Um, but Logan was actually at school down in San Antonio, Texas. And I was at home. Um, I was actually visiting my family in California and we woke up to, I woke up to like messages upon messages because of this tweet. And it, when I read it, I was like, people were asking me, okay, you know, are you okay? How are you feeling? I'm like, am I dead? Did somebody die? Like, <laughs> and then I clicked on all the links and it was, you know, the tweet from Mr. Trump. And I was like, holy shit. Like my husband's going to get kicked out of the military. Oh. Like that was, that was my thought process. And immediately my mind went into work mode, into activist and advocacy mode, because we're about to, we're about to, this is good. This is big. Um, and so um, we went to, uh, I ended up flying to Dallas and I was visiting my in-laws and I went to, I wanted to drive and go see my husband because I was like, this, this is too big not to do anything about it. And Sparta, the um, nonprofit organization that I was with, um, started, we were 
getting our ducks in a row for media to talk about what's going on. And so when I went down to San Antonio, Logan and I talked about him. We're like, this is, this is just crazy. And he could not take his mind off of school because he needed to pass this, this course in order to be promoted like this, this it's a military thing. And so uh, he was not able to quickly look at everything before I could call him that evening. And so when we talked about it, you know, I went over there and we, we sat and it was, it was a moment of what are we going to do now? Like, this is our life. The military is our life. This is, we're, we're still in it. We're still here. What does this mean for us? And while we're doing coordination for, you know, media and to talk about, you know, giving them a quote on what it is that we're feeling or what we're going to do, we get this message on Facebook of all things. And it was one of the producers from the Ellen show. Hmm. And, um, me being the person that I am, I'm not going to trust anything that comes through Facebook because he's <laughs> shady as fuck. Uh-huh. Yep. So I'm just like, they, so the message was, hey, I'm so-and-so from The Ellen Show. We really want to have you on. And we heard about your story because we were featured in um, People Magazine um, talking about our um, us adopting and, and um, that the new ban on trans people um, hindering that process. So we're like, okay. So she the message said that, that we wanted, they wanted us to be on Ellen. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't, this is fake. Like somebody's fucking with us right now. Where's Ashton Kutcher? You're punking me. Yeah, literally like we're being punked. And and so then I was like, let me just cu- let, look, let me Skype this person. Cause obviously they want to Skype. So I pressed Skype and it was actually the producer. From <laughs> show. And she, I was like, Oh, you're real. She's <laughs> like, excuse me. And I was like, you're real. And she said, yeah, did you think not? I was like, no, because <laughs> half the people that message us, all their messages go to our spam box because it's not real people. Yeah. And so Logan had, we jumped on and um, we, com- we held our composure. <laughs> and after we, you know, she said, she will get with you, send us your emails and everything. And so we did that. And as soon as we ended the call, it was, that's fucking Ellen. Like, holy yeah. shit. So obviously small, minor peasant people like us, we, um, we were very excited. And so um, they started coordination and then we had to coordinate with the military because it was so active duty. Um, and then we were on the show. Um, Logan's mom was able to come. We wanted our, our, both of our moms to come with us. Unfortunately, at that time, my mom, my grandmother had passed away. So my mom stayed home. And it was very hard for me because I, I wanted to be home rather than just be on the Ellen show. Like, yes, that was great, but I wanted to be home for mm-hmm. my family. And, but my, my mother-in-law was able to come and be with us there. And it was, it was so, it was very interesting what goes on behind the scenes. You just never know. Right. Um, in our, in, in having this platform, we have been afforded many opportunities to see a lot of what goes on behind the scenes. Sorry. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> Girl was getting one of them Facebook messages again. Ellen wants you. Ellen, Ellen's ears are ringing. She's like, oh, well, hey, got to have another person on. <laughs> um, but, you know, we went to the show. They they put us up in a hotel. And, and um, what goes on behind the scenes is very interesting because it's very calculated. It's very organized. Um, we didn't get to meet Ellen before we actually sat in the, on the seat on stage. Oh. Her only her producers came and talked to us. They said, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to. Um, you, we're going to talk about. Um, to kind of have your, you know, what you're going to say about these topics. And we said, yeah. 
Um, and then we got to meet her and um, it was, it, you know, walking onto the stage, I will, will be one of the things that will hold dear to myself because as a trans woman, as a AAPI person, as a Latina, um, as a veteran, as a spouse, uh, having that stage and being on there and seeing all those people and then being on national television, talking about the things that are important to us, um, put us even more on the map and it made us more visible and more relatable and more human instead of, you know, we being relegated to just the idea of what trans people are. And so we talked about, uh, you know, ado the adoption and the struggles and, and, you know, with the, we tried not to make it as political as possible because Logan is still in the military and we can't speak ill of the current sitting president um, or that the president that was currently sitting at that time. Um, and so we just, we were very, we were very candid, but very cautious about what we said. Um, Ellen smells like pine cones. Oh, oh, interesting. Smells like pine cones. Um, but she was, I mean, she was really nice. And I, I know that there were stories about her going around that she's not this very nice person. We did not, you know, honestly, we did not experience that. Um, but everybody's experience is going to be very different, you know? Yeah. And so she talked with us. I think our, our entire interview was like 15 minutes, but they only used like seven. Um, and, um, it was really cool. It was really cool just to be on the show, meet her. She you know, thanked us for service as usual as anybody would. Um, she seemed very genuine. Um, Logan, it was Logan's uh, lifelong dream to meet Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So, you know, check that block for him. But it, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. We, we had a lot of fun. So what, what did she do for you guys? It look so, um, what I do you mean, mean what did she do for them? <laughs> If you guys watch, I mean, if any of our, our viewers or our listeners watch Ellen, they, she, they know that she usually teams up and partners with Oh, uh, like she gave you some coin. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And she did. She gave us that uh, $25. $25. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Here's a star. Right? That's Card. the gag of the season. Like, thank you so much for like bringing all of this to the surface and like highlighting everything. Here's $25. Don't spend yeah. it all in one place. <laughs> Yeah, no, she gave us a, a, um, a Shutterfly, she partnered with Shutterfly, and they um, awarded us with $25,000 towards our adoption stuff. And so Aww. now they're moving to Korea. Ooh. We are going to uh, be in the process of adopting um, a baby. Oh, And so that'll be the story. So um, we're supposed to reach out back to them to let them know when we've adopted. And so we may be back on the Ellen show again. My, my stepdaughter is an adopted Korean girl. She Look, was adopted. They might be cousins, sis. They might be cousins. We'll okay, be you, you never know. I mean, she she was gorgeous. And when Andy, my husband, has pictures of when he went to uh, Korea to pick her up, and she's in a beautiful like Korean uh, like cultural gown that they. Put the in. I'm just like, oh my god, that's so gorgeous. She's so pretty. Oh, Aww, we're looking at a picture. So, um, Okay, so I forgot where we were. So, oh, you know what? I was going to ask you, um, you were on the VMAs? Yeah, so right after- Wait, hold up. <laughs> you, okay, I'm sorry. Rewind, little peasant me. Girl, I'm an actress. I've been on the VMAs. I've been on Ellen. I've been in People. I met Barack Obama. Little peasant my ass. <laughs> Look, like I said, we have been afforded a platform. Humble, for sure. I love it. We've been afforded this platform and, and there's been many opportunities for us to really talk about a lot of things. And some of these things were that the VMAs historically has always been um, slightly political and they, they've always brought forth, um, you know, 
uh, stories of, in, of injustices that are happening around the world and in society. Um, and so it's no surprise that the VMAs wanted to bring the transgender service members um, that were in the film um, and also that were currently serving in the area to come in and um, be on the VMAs. And so we walked the carpet. They gave us the 12-star the treatment. It was so amazing. Um, we walked on, we were supposed to walk on with someone and I'm, I can't say the name because I'm not sure um, if that's allowed, but. Um, we'll ask off after, don't worry. Yeah. Oh, but then you can't tell us. We'll figure it out. So I, how about I, um, yeah, yeah. Like, we'll just say yeah, yeah. You can get it from that. Just yeah, yeah. Um, so she was supposed to walk us on. It's not yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So she was supposed to walk us on and then it changed last night. I'm minute. really bad at things like that. Okay, I got it now. Thanks. I got it. Okay, cool. Really cool. <laughs> Little slow to walk, party. Yeah, she was supposed to walk us on and then something happened and they she wasn't able to walk us on. So we were we ended up being in line. Um, so we were behind Cardi B. <gasps> it was Cardi B, Bretman Rock, us, Demi Lovato, um, and then Fifth Harmony. Oh, and um, so having us walk, it was the call of the red carpet. It was blue, first of all. <laughs> it was blue. Um, but we walked on and we had all these cameras. And just like how you see on all these tabloids and in the social media, how they take pictures. And then you have to stop. And it's um, the, I don't know what it's called. It's the walk. Maybe, maybe Nick might know. What oh, step and repeat? step and repeat? Step and repeat. Yes. yes. So it's step and repeat. And so here we are, literally, I'm like, let me demonstrate. So it's like. Well, she's stepping and she is repeating. Oh. Yes. Oh, she, oh, oh. And the cameras are loving it. Literally, that's what it was. But it was really fun because we talked to many different outlets and we were quoted in many of them talking about the trans-military band, what, why we're there. Um, got to take picture with um, Teen Wolfman. Um, Which one? Tyler Posey? Yes. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'll take any. Wait, no. Is Tyler Posey the one with the weird jaw? Yeah. He has like the. Uh, I like the other guy, um, something Holtzlin or whatever. Yeah, him, the white one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler Posey is so cute. Um, They're all cute. That show's real good. Yeah, we we got to you know we got some snapshots of some some of the celebrities. We got to sit with um, Arthur. Anyway, the, co- the okay. comic Arthur Singer. He's a from he's PBS. Okay. <laughs> You walk into the room and now my heart is broken. That guy. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, he won the UK voice. I know that. Um, oh, Louis Capaldi? Not no. him. Yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> She's like, not him. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I'm about to find it because I really want Oh, to. James Bay? James oh, James Arthur. Arthur. James Arthur. Yeah. Okay. James okay. Arthur. We got to take pictures with him. We uh, got to take pictures with... Um, Gary Spice Mel B and Heidi Klum. <gasps> um, I love her. Yes, we got to take pictures of them. Okay, Paul loves the Spice Girls. <laughs> Go ahead. So I have a question. Pictures. Yeah. Did you slip and fall after walking behind Cardi B? Because no. she's got that wop. <laughs> that was that was pre wop. Did you have yeah. a did you have a, a mop in a bucket? <laughs> and a dump truck? Isn't that part of it? A dump truck? Yeah. No, and then we got to take pictures with Kylie Richards from Real Housewives. Um, oh, it was, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I think for for common folks like us to you know not 
Well, actually, oh. we're not common because we're really not common. We're fabulous. Um, but for regular folks that don't do these things all the time, right? Um, it was a, it was definitely an experience to see everything that goes on behind the scenes, from the step and repeat to the interviews to, hey, you're going to stand right here. You're going to be you're going to be on TV. Like I watched myself a couple days later, played back the M- M- uh, VMA, um, you know, recap, and it was like, wow, that's us on TV. We're talking and we're we're really talking about stuff that really matters. Mm-hmm. And for that for that 15 seconds of fame, right? Like for that 15 seconds that we had to talk, um, it really meant the world to us to be able to have that platform and to really reach out to have a larger audience to reach out to. It does, um, yeah. It only takes 15 seconds really. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it was amazing. It was great. I got to meet James Arthur. He's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> he grabbed my, hold on. No. So, I mean, I'm still really hung up on Ellen smell like pine cones. <laughs> You really did smell like pine But yeah, I mean, and Ellen was also there at the VMAs as well. And so the one group that I did, that we did pass and I said, oh my gosh, I love you guys. And they kind of just snobbed me um, or snobbed the group was Fifth Harmony. <gasps> it's okay. They broke up. Yeah, they were having yeah. issues. It was really, it was like really, it was. They are out of sync now. It was really ugly then. Like somebody just said they really love you and you're, you kind of just like shrugged them off. Like didn't even acknowledge us. Ugh. Okay, you know, it's whatever. Well, they're flat now, so it's fine. Yeah. yeah, the VMAs was it was great. There was an article in the LA Times, and um, we have a lo- everything that we've done um, in this in this journey um, from Ellen to the VMAs to um, to Brock, uh, to the president's invitation to the White House. We have framed all of those things, mm-hmm. we put them up as as tokens on our wall because this is what we do. You know, so we had a lot of we had a lot of fun doing. It. Very cool. So let's go into, because you were working with uh, Minority Veterans of America, and you're doing like a lot of um, D&I training with companies and stuff like that. And you talk about equity, not just equality. Can you, for our listeners, can you give them the difference between the two, between equity and equality? Yeah. So equity, I mean, so equity is really, we'll talk about equality first, right? Equality is everybody is being, is being given the opportunity. Equity is giving everyone the same opportunity, but also the tools to really um, be successful, right? So I think there's a there's a picture out there where it's side by side, and it says this is equality, where everybody has a box to stand on to walk with the fence. Yes. Yeah. And then that's equality, but the third person can't is, is on a box. They have a box, but it's not. Um, they're not being able to see the game over the fence. Equity is the little person has the biggest box, the tallest person has the smallest box, and everybody can see the game. Mm-hmm. So that's equity, right? And I think people people conflate the two all the time, and they confuse the two all the time, right? So we have to make sure that we, when we say these things, about when we talk about equity and we talk about equality, that we make sure that they understand that those are two very different things. They're not exclusively, but they are two different things, right? And so um, working... Uh, doing that and working with um, MVA, Minority Veterans of America, you know, MVA believes that through creating an intersectional movement of girl. Or you are, you are just like popular. (laughs) It's Fifth Harmony. They're apologizing. (laughs) Hey, Layla, remember when we didn't say hi to you now that you're more famous than us? um, Sorry. Also our group broke up. (laughs) Right. I wish. Um, 
MBA is, we believe that create through creating an intersectional movement of minority veterans, um, we include veterans of color, women, LGBTQ and religious minority veterans, that we create a collective voice capable of creating critical change in the veteran community. Because let's, I mean, let's really face it. We talk about trans military folks and we talk about equity, equity and equality for LGBT people in the military that are currently serving. But do we really talk about our veterans and how we're taking care of them? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's one of the biggest things in our in in the U.S. is one of the biggest issues is taking care of the people who took care of us when we needed them the most, and that's not happening. Um, but minority vets of America, you know, they strive to be the most diverse, inclusive, diverse, inclusive, and equitable veteran-serving organization in the country. So we, I mean, there's a lot of things that we're doing now with legislation, creating um, spaces for veterans, for homeless veterans. Um, we're currently right now we're doing a, um, a supply drop of food, um, essentials to our homeless folks or people that need it in the, in, in general. Um, and they're traveling across the United States to different sit different big cities right now to be able to do those things. So we were just in Philly now we're heading to Seattle and there's other folk, uh, other cities on the map. Um, what we're trying to do is branch out. Um, and go into the smaller cities where people don't have access, right? Mm-hmm. And so really taking care, ooh, girl, really taking oh. <laughs> care of our veterans, um, our homeless veterans, and then and really listening to the veterans now um, that are facing, you know, issues and struggles that don't necessarily allow them the accesses that other people would normally have, like healthcare, like, like therapy, like treatment, like home, um, you know, uh, access to education, access to um, housing. These are things that are important for our veterans. We need to take care of the people that continue to have served their time, that have, you know, sacrificed a lot of their own lives um, and take care of them the way that they need, that they deserve. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's far too often as a veteran myself, some of the places that I did have access to, I don't have access to now. And I'm like, well, why don't I? Mm-hmm. And you, if you can't give me an answer, then that's the wrong answer. Ooh. <laughs> Reach. That's the tea. <laughs> so what do you have coming up next besides moving to Korea and thinking about adopting a baby there? Oh, uh, what do I have coming up? So I don't know if Nick told you. <laughs> so, Are you in another movie? <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish. I'm actively looking at, at you know, open, uh, open cast calls. I'm, I'm actively looking at some of those. Um, nothing has been yet because maybe it's because of, um, I'm not fit for the park. Well, and that's okay. I think you're overqualified. I'm, I've always been overqualified, (laughs) (laughs) um, which I never understood how, how, uh, businesses always say, I'm sorry, you didn't pick you because you're overqualified. Bitch, if I'm qualified. (laughs) Oh yeah. But, um, I'm currently working on a podcast. (gasps) Um, that I hope to launch this summer. Um, and it's going to, it's going to talk about, you know, some of the things it's not gonna be very general. It's going to be very focused on women, but I want it to talk about all types of women. And of course, some of the speakers that I want to have on this, on the podcast will be men and their perspective on, on some of these issues, right? Because we have to, we have to invite everyone to the table, which really quick about my advocacy and activism the reason why I talk about these things is because in order to move forward, we have to invite everyone to the round table. Everyone, including not the pizza place, not the pizza place. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Although they have real good pizza. Yeah. 
have everyone present at the table, including the folks that don't believe we should be there. But here's the thing. I have had to, in my advocacy and activism journey, I've had to create my own fucking table. Hmm. That should never happen. Mm-hmm. And it really what it boils down to is that organizations and businesses minimize their, their success by holding themselves back from being the example that others need to see by inviting other people to the table. You know, marginalized people like LGBTQIA and indigenous people, even women, often lack the role models who share the same, their same identity. So like, for example, okay, so this may be a good or bad example. So like um, Ryan Murphy um, took the chance on doing Pose on FX, right? Um, and so it shows the visibility of people. So him taking that chance in, in doing that further the movement for trans people. Um, and it opened up his business or his, his spectrum on doing other things, not just specific stuff, but it's, you know, like LGBT things. So you have to be invited to the table. And if you, if they don't want to invite you to the table, create a fucking table and invite the same people over to your table so they can hear what you need. Mm. Well, or if you get invited to that table, take advantage of being at that table while you can, because you've got people like MJ Rodriguez who is on pose, but then she went ahead and put that into like doing musicals and fashion and other things. So it's like, once you're there, utilize that and take advantage of it as best you can. Because if you're in the room, like you, you're going to, you want to take advantage of it until they kick you out. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. first hurdle, just getting into the room. Yep. Right? right. But on the flip side of that, I, and I always tell this to other folks who say, you know, why do you do this? You know, it is great to get my foot in the door to be invited to these, into these spaces or to have a seat at the table. It's even more so that I'm, I, me talking about these things, I become a representative of my, of my community and I have to be willing to educate people and not jump down people's throats because they don't understand something. Mm-hmm. You have to really listen to the conversation and really learn about it. So if we're going to be productive or we're going to be pro- progressive, we really want to make change and we evoke change, then we have to be willing to help educate and not bash each other on, well, you didn't know that. So you, and you're not calling me by my pronouns. So you can, you're getting canceled. Like sis, that's not it. She didn't know. Mm. You want to be, you want to be, so you want to, you want to be reflected in your, in your purpose, in your spot, in your identity. You have to be willing to teach people and have patience in that. We have to extend, we have to forget, we often, people often forget that we have to extend grace to people who don't understand because 80, let's, let's be real. 80% of society is ignorant to things that are not for them. Mm. Right. If it is not a, if it is not a routine thing for them that they talk about, do, I don't know eat or whatever right if it's not routine for them they don't know so we have to be willing to be patient and humble in teaching them and informing them of what it is because at the the end of the day it's really that 80 percent of people that we change their minds when we make it relatable and we humanize our stories and, and we share that we take that that time to extend that grace to them well you know, I'm going to extend this offer to you that if you need help with your podcast, you let us we know. We are here for you. We are professionals. Okay. You <laughs> can go to Korea. Okay. So what's the name of your podcast? I, uh, that's in the works. <laughs> oh, you'll have to let us know. I will. When it's ready. Absolutely. I, I'm hoping to be able to launch it by June. Okay. Um, in, that's in like September tomorrow. Pride month. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, okay, cool. Um, But it's, I, you know, 
I'm truly excited for this opportunity. I've had many people, I've talked to many of my friends and, and people, you know, doing, um, during my engagements, when I go and speak, I've talked to people and, and kind of asked them, you know, what do you think me doing a podcast, what do you think it would be titled? And I've had many, many different um, suggestions. One of them that really sticks out to me is Rebel Queen. Um, and so- oh, Rebel, Rebel Queen? Rebel Queen, yeah. Ooh. That's your superhero name. I kind of like in the works though. Like, because you're trying to get up in there. Yep. You know? Ooh. And we're all in the works. We're all going to workshop this together. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll take 50% of the commission. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I really appreciate I, I appreciate the feedback because I think it's important to hear from, from the folks that really, really matter, um, that are part of the community that really know what they're doing. And so I can't be so headstrong on my own that, oh no, I'm just going to do it like this. Like, no, it's this. Like, I got to learn from the best of the best. And look, I'm talking to the best of the best. So I'm oh, okay. And we're the, we are good gays who will love you regardless. So we do not fit that mold. We are, what is it? Out of the box? I don't know. There's a word for it. We're these unprecedented dreams. That's who we are. Oh, so. Shameful plug in our own podcast. Yeah, so that's, that's one of the things that I'm working on right now. And there's some other things that, um, I would love to talk about, but I think for right now, I want to keep under wraps because um, the nature of it. So once we stop recording, then we can talk about it. Okay. Ooh, (laughs) once the cameras are off, nothing matters. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, So what are some recommendations for resources or websites that if anybody has questions, whether it be trans, military, that kind of thing, that you could give out to our listeners? Yeah. So that is a really good question. I, I, thank you so much for highlighting that. Um, so for our veteran community, minoritybets.org is one of the best. Obviously, I'm biased because I'm, I'm on the board of directors. <laughs> so I serve my community. That no way. bias whatsoever. Yeah. Um, Spartapride.org for trans military folks that are out there. Um, there's also NCTE, um, TAVA, uh, Transgender Americans Veterans Association, Um and then my own stuff, if you, I mean, if you want to, if you have any questions. I was going to say, what are your social media handles? Yeah. Are you TikToking? Are you Twittering? What are the other ones? You are Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah. We saw your Instagram. You're super cute. All of it. So um, my Instagram is Layla at Layla.Ireland. Um, my Twitter is at Layla Ireland. Uh, my Facebook is at the official Ireland's. Um, and my TikTok is, I'm not going to share that because my TikTok, I'm, I feel like, look guys. Wait, are you a TikToker? I do. But <gasps> we do I'm not TikTok. <laughs> it's very confusing to me. It is. It's very confusing. I have had, every time I go to visit my nieces in California, um, I have them teach me how to do the, the dances. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm old and I shouldn't be doing this, but it's so much fun to do, you know. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> but also the dances are really hard. Like that's like coordination. I would hit a wall. Yeah. Like one of these and one of these. And I mean, I could do that. We're doing some like a uh, hand, a hand, whatever these things are. Yeah. Like right. I could Macarena left and right. I can Macarena left and says, I got a mean Macarena. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. So I'm, I'm just going to, I know, I know y'all can't see Um, I know that they our viewers can't see it, but I'm going to show you one that I thought it was cute. I was in my office. Swiss, one, two, three. 
Oh damn, you got the moves down. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, there's some Look leg action going. Oh, in your scrub. Oh, and there's a booty bump. She looked like she was about to crump up in here. I was like, okay, okay. let me see you nay nay. Oh yeah, I would follow you, but I don't TikTok, so. Yeah, no, so I, I, one of my, my nieces said, you know, Auntie, are you on TikTok? And I was like, no, what is TikTok? And she was like, I already knew what TikTok was. I was like, okay, there's something new. And she said, you should do this dance. I'm like, okay. So I was in my office at the hospital, closed my door. Cause I had, I had a patient like 10 minutes from that time I was doing that. And so I was like, let me just do this really quickly. I learned it really quick and I did it. And I sent it to my niece. And my niece said, you're old auntie. And I was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, but she, I mean, it is what you it is. You never call a woman old ever. Wow, she didn't know that, and she got strangled when I saw her. <laughs> and now she does. Okay, and if you guys have not been on her Instagram, you need to go to her Instagram right now, and there is a picture of her at the Equality Alliance in this beautiful, beautiful white dress with stripes, and she has given me fashion. She has given me With clothes. a you, fashion. She is giving me everything. But then also, okay. I, I was stalking you yesterday, and there's like a picture of you, and you are, I think you're on like a a video call or whatever and you're like making like a quadruple chin and I was like I love that because I was like that's that's me if we don't learn to laugh at ourselves there it is <laughs> that's my favorite one I think you're on like a a video call yeah oh, oh if we don't learn to laugh at ourselves on a daily then we you know we lose our our own innocence right yeah if you can't laugh at yourself how the hell are you gonna laugh at anybody else <laughs> oh don't worry I do <laughs> okay so this is what we do right before we say goodbye with all of our guests is we have quick three quick fire questions. Okay. You have all right. Your, you have your two. So I have my two. Go ahead. You, you go first. first. Yeah. Do you want to go first? You want me to go no, first? No, you go. Okay. So whatever comes to mind, don't even think about it. Just tell me right away. But Ooh, I'm from, scared. I know. Okay. So if you were on Survivor between one and 39, which day would you be voted off? 39, bitch. I'd be the winner. Oh, oh. okay. <laughs> Okay, my question is not that fun, but like you were listening and I'm like really into dip right now. So like, <laughs> what is your like dip of choice? My dip of choice? Listen, I, okay, look, everyone's laughing at me in the room. <laughs> it's a serious question. Hard hitting journalism over yeah. here. <laughs> Don't when I am a dip uh, interviewer and I don't when I'm famous, Paul. Just <laughs> the question still is it's still out. Yeah. So my dip of choice is um, Trader Joe's has this pineapple salsa. Okay. And she is she is everything. I, it's a little bit of sweet. It's a little bit of spicy, and it's all of Layla. So I was just gonna say that's you. I would be ba- I would be Baba Ganoush because it's all about the eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. So last oh question. Lord. If you were a cereal, what cereal would you be? Oh, okay. So you giving me shit for the dip question and you come here with your cereal question. That's fine. I love cereal, so it's okay. What cereal would I be? I, can I choose two? Cuz yes. So the first one would be Fruity Pebbles cuz you know, I'm fucking fruity and a pebble. Um and two, um I'd be the Lucky Charms marshmallows, just all the marshmallows. Oh, okay. I haven't had that, but I would like it. What would you be? I would be, uh, ooh, see, mm, like, all cereal. Okay. Because it's either Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Captain Crunch, Cocoa Puffs, Cocoa Pebbles, um, 
Reese's Puffs, Cookie Crisp, Honeycomb, Honeycrisp, anything. Oh, okay. Apple Jacks. Oh, the whole aisle. Apple Jacks. <laughs> kicks. Uh, <laughs> never kicks. God, who do you think I am? Okay, because see, I would be Rice Krispies because I snap, crackle, and pop, bitch. Oh, but like on its own, is it that good? Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> well, then Lucky Charms is great because they're magically delicious. <laughs> oh, Mm-hmm. Well, all right, Layla Ireland. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. We really appreciate it. And it was so 100%. much fun. Yes. Yeah. You're a joy. Go follow her, everybody. And then when you get your podcast uh, and bring us on, then we'll shame We'll do a follow-up you. episode, yeah. a crossover. Oh, my no, God. It's like so whatever fun. that is. All I right. Well, absolute fun. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. You guys oh. are amazing. I cannot wait to meet y'all in person. Well, Yay. you're gonna have to leave Korea because we're in California. Well, I mean, Korea's not so far, right? And from I don't know. I don't geography, so <laughs> you'll have to. <laughs> but I'm I really don't come and visit. I'm definitely gonna um, cook Paul some real authentic Filipino food. So. Yeah. Okay, so I love it. I need to get my passport renewed, so we'all do that. <laughs> Thank you guys. I love y'all. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Andrew Smith and Nick Stone for producing the show. If you like us, please follow us at TUGazePod on Instagram and visit us online at TUGazePod.com. You can find us anywhere you can stream podcasts. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and let us know topics you'd like to hear. And always remember, stay safe, stay classy, stay sassy, and always stay a little bit trashy. See you next week.